Having trouble staffing up? You're not alone. Our industry is facing an unprecedented labor shortage, and tech will play a central role in solving that problem. Yelp Kiosk was built in 2018 for restaurants who couldn't afford to pay a dedicated host. In 2021, Yelp Kiosk is supporting restaurants that want to do more with less. By adding Kiosk, your host is no longer trapped behind the host stand, enabling them to assist in all front-of-house operations. Learn more about how Kiosk can help your restaurant at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash kiosk. Now here we go. The way I heard you talk about the industry was from an honest perspective. It was no bullshit. And I was like, this is something that I think, you know, is a shared value with the content that I'm trying to create from Yelp's perspective and just creating, like I said, honest content. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. I've dedicated the last year of my life to asking these two questions. How did we get here and where are we going? Believe it or not, the question I get asked most frequently is, how did you get here? It seems many of you want to know why I started the show and exactly what is the nature of my relationship with Yelp. Today, I tackled those topics and many more with the help of Stephen McKeon, one of the guys from Yelp that helped make this show happen. I got into hospitality kind of later. I studied film in college and my first job I worked for Vice in their advertising department. And all my friends kind of worked in hospitality. It just seemed fun. So it was something I started doing on weekends, working at bars and restaurants. And then I've always kind of had a background in music and the club scene, whatever. And I kind of graduated from there. I started managing a pretty popular night spot here in Toronto. I did that for seven years and then eventually went on to open my first restaurant, which is like a small 30-seat restaurant, very cocktail-focused. And then my second restaurant was a Southern-inspired blues bar, something that you and I have both done. Yeah, for opening sure. A Southern restaurant in not a Southern city. <laughs> so, you know, that was fun. But that concept was me marrying what I knew about restaurants with my love and passion for live music. And, and then somewhere along there, I kind of realized that my passion for the industry was more about creating and building the brands and actually designing the restaurants myself and everything that leads up to actually opening a restaurant. And I didn't really love the day-to-day management of it. I was just behind the bar and I just wasn't a great manager. I kind of left that part up to my partners. So I, I stepped away from the industry about three years after opening the restaurants and kind of took a shift back into music business. I started touring with some of my friends that were artists, touring artists. And uh, yeah, I just went down that path for a while and it all kind of came full circle with my role now, managing content for Yelp for restaurants. Well, let me ask you, were there parallels? Were there like lessons learned from being in the restaurant and bar industry that you were able to parlay into music and vice versa? Yeah, I think my hospitality career was very much the nightlife century. I never owned like a full sit down restaurant. It was always like food was kind of secondary to the bar and nightlife aspect. So you learn how to read a room really quick. All the different characters that are coming into your bar, the people that are ordering drinks from you, you learn very quickly how to categorize people's personalities and definitely traveling on tour. Those skills came in super handy. You're in unknown cities with people who've never met before every day. So yeah, for sure. 
Well, and the people are all kind of the same, right? Like restaurant owners and operators are kind of sent the same type of person that would get into music and music production, I would think. That for sure. And also people that go to bars and restaurants, everybody loves restaurants for the same reason. And that's an international language. So whenever we're traveling, whether we're in Vietnam or New Orleans or anywhere else, it's everybody goes to the restaurants and has a drink and you're telling stories. And to me, that's the core of what restaurants and hospitality is, is people getting together and sharing stories and creative spaces. Absolutely. And for me, I got into the industry at a young age, and that was one of the things that really drew me into it. It was like, this is where the action is. This is where the party is. And what a privilege it is to host that party and to be the master of ceremonies and to kind of stand in the middle of it. I can remember I was running nightclubs in Hollywood, which for the people listening sounds way more glamorous than it actually was. But I can remember like standing on stage and we had this huge event at this 8,000 square foot nightclub and all these celebrities are there and there are a thousand people in the room. And I felt like these two feelings simultaneously in equal parts. Like the first was this sense of like appreciation for this moment and this huge sense of accomplishment, but it was immediately paired with this huge sense of responsibility that I am like in charge of the safety of a thousand people simultaneously in a place that's pouring alcohol like it's water. <laughs> yeah, like Spider-Man with uh, great power comes great responsibility, right? <laughs> right? But yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely an energy in big rooms like that. And even in small bars and nightclubs, everybody's riding the same wave. And it's easy to feed off that. But similar to the hospitality industry, I would say, and especially the touring music industry, the highs are super high and the lows are super low. Everything's glitz and glamour when the liquor's flowing, the lights are dim. But when you're packing up at three in the morning or getting on a plane, going to some other city at 6 a.m., I mean, you're pretty much by yourself. And I think that that speaks to the industry at large, right? In the way that most of the work that goes into a restaurant happens before the restaurant opens or after the restaurant closes. That's really where the bulk of the decisions are made that will impact the solvency and the longevity of that particular location. And that was really the conversation that I had wanted to have for years. I moved out to Los Angeles from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, looking to find like an awesome concept. I was going to bring it back to Baton Rouge and be a big hero and a genius. And I was going to tell everybody that it was my idea. And I came up with it And a year past, five years past. And I didn't find any ideas worth transplanting. But I felt like the hospitality industry and the concepts that I grew up with in Baton Rouge were desperately needed in Los Angeles at the time. The, the culinary landscape of Los Angeles has changed dramatically over the last 20 years. And I wanted to be one of the people that helped usher that in. Instead of long lines and snooty door guys at nightclubs, I wanted dive bars, like the ones I grew up with and enjoyed in college. And I wanted to become part of the change that I wanted to see in my own neighborhood. And my first jaunt into that was 504, which was a New Orleans-inspired dive bar on Hollywood Boulevard. A couple of years later, we opened Pro and Proper, Michelin-rated fine dining, and then South City Fried Chicken, which was our fast casual spinoff of Pro and Proper. And through all of it, we saw like massive success kind of on the face of it. But on the back end, it was always a shit show. It was always a disaster. And I remember these key moments where like we were making like one and a half million dollars a year at Pro and Proper. 
And my accountant goes, your burn rate is 2.1 million. Well, when we hit 2.1 million, then the burn rate was 2.5 million. And in industry, it felt like a career for me where the goalpost was constantly being moved. And the only reason I could come up with it was that I was inept and I was the only one that was failing at this. Do you feel like you needed to you can call it reinvest or you can call it whatever you want, but putting that money back into the business, do you feel like you were trying to do it to obtain a certain level of customer experience, a certain image or anything like that? Or do you think it was just, just the nature of the business? Both. We were treading water. I mean, again, like Prue hit 3.4 million and like, we're still treading water. And it's like, where does this money go? And I would argue that everything that we did to boost business was an effort to try and increase top line sales to compensate for an ever increasing expense rate. And I would talk to other people and they all seemed busy and they all seemed successful and no one seemed to be having the problems. You and I have talked about it before, but it just kind of felt like everyone was having their best day, their best week, their best month until the day they went out of business. I mean, that's something I definitely noticed in my career owning restaurants. I mean, people never really talk to each other. You never talk to other restaurateurs about their challenges, never openly anyways. And that was a big problem for me. I was like, I guess I just have to kind of figure this out for myself because there's an ego part of it. There's a upkeeping image part of it, I guess, as well. But yeah, if I could go back and change one thing, that's definitely where it would be is just reaching out to other people in the industry and saying, hey, like I'm missing this part of my balance sheet. And what do you do here? How do you fix it? Or what does your balance sheet look like? I couldn't agree with you more, but I felt like I was the dummy. And in 2019, I felt like I had to jump off the hamster wheel. So we sold the bar in Hollywood. We sold the fast casual concept. And I was like, I'm just going to focus on pro and proper. It's already Michelin rated. We're doing really well. We're very busy. I just need to figure out how to fix like the business end of this restaurant. And so rolling into 2020, that was like going to be my only job. My exclusive focus was going to be riding the ship because the top line was exactly where it needed to be. It was just about fixing the bottom line, which I thought really digging in, really trying to create a more stable, leaner organizational infrastructure, that it would be like a really accomplishable task. And then the global pandemic hit and we shut down May 14th. And to harken back to what you had said before, that was definitely one of those like all alone in a dark room moments where I just felt completely isolated. And I saw other people slugging it out. And I was in these like little restaurateur WhatsApp groups. And I was listening to people talk about pivoting literally like the beginning of March. People were already beginning to brainstorm. But like I didn't have any gas left in the tank. I felt like whatever cash we had, we needed to use it to pay out the last of the payroll, make sure that our insurance was up to date, and then hold on tight. Yeah. This funny thing happens when you're kind of like the owner operator of a restaurant where you're like the purveyor of good times. You always have to make sure everybody's staff and customers are always having a good time. You have to make sure everybody's happy, but you have to do it without evaporating in the process because it happens so fast and you're running at such a high rev that. There's no real time to kind of stop and say, hold on, and really reflect on things you could make, personal changes you can make to be more efficient or happier in your work life. When did you join Yelp for Restaurants? July 2019. Okay. And then we got linked up through a mutual friend in March of 2020. Yeah, a colleague of mine, Shadow Michael Rotella. Mm-hmm. 
to give the listeners perspective, at that time, the restaurant was shut down. We were playing with the idea of selling it. I didn't know how long the pandemic was going to be. I was 41. I filed for unemployment. I had a wife and a two-year-old daughter. And I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. But I've always been an avid consumer of online content, whether it be podcasts or blogs. I was reading all the articles on Eater. And I felt like people weren't having the conversation that needed to be had in that moment, which was a conversation about what role we as restaurant owners and operators played in the collapse of the overall industry. I don't even know if I needed a global pandemic to borderline go out of business. I mean, a strong gust of wind and maybe a pipe busting could have done it if it happened on a Friday night and lasted more than a week. And I felt like I wasn't alone in there. Looking back now, do you think that you, I don't want to say use the pandemic as an excuse, but you maybe use it as an opportunity to shift out of the restaurant business into something different? So I had a 10-year plan. And like my 10-year plan is that I've always been super passionate about service. I've always been super passionate about the hospitality industry at large. And I did want to be a guy that was able to fix my own problems and then turn around and apply those solutions to other people. But when the pandemic hit, I certainly didn't feel like I was in a place to help anyone. I mean, well, I still don't today, but I saw an opportunity to learn. That was really the pivot. And if I've learned anything from the pandemic, it's there are no more 10-year plans. There are 10-month plans, and I'll work it out from there. But the difference between now and then is I gut check a lot more frequently. I check with myself to make sure I'm on the right path. I would argue that from the bar to the fine dining restaurant to the fast casual restaurant to all of the pivots in between over the years and all the different initiatives we tried and Some succeeded and some failed in a large-scale events. There weren't any gut checks. I was on the path of a restaurateur. This is what you do. You do this thing, you do this thing, you do this. And there was no soul-searching. It wasn't like, is this right for me? And in 2019, there was a mild gut check, which is why I decided to lighten my workload by selling a couple of locations and really focus on the one that I thought would have the most meaningful impact in my life, in my career, and in the neighborhood that we were seated in. But the goal wasn't to get out of the industry or to get out of day-to-day operations. I felt like what the pandemic did supply me with was time to think and to analyze. And I walked away from the closure of Pru and Proper, not feeling like, oh, I got screwed by circumstance, but really thinking, man, like if I was better at my job, if I knew more, I'd still be open today. Because there are a lot of people that did well during the pandemic. They really thrived during the pandemic and were able to make changes that at least enabled them to survive for the last 12 to 14 months. And that wasn't me. But it wasn't like a total cold shift for you. Like you had experience creating content within the restaurant, like when the restaurant was still open, right? Absolutely. And I had realized the power of voice, the power of media pretty early on. And when we had the restaurant, I focused most of that attention on the executive chef, who was also my business partner. Smart guy, good looking, super talented, really had like an ear for it, an eye for it, connected really well with our audience. And so even though I was trying to orchestrate it, I really focused all of the attention on him, knowing that like once I had something to say, I would have all of the tools that I needed to say it. I was just waiting to learn enough to be able to share that information. What's super interesting is that what came out of the pandemic 
is the fact that I still don't feel like I have anything to share or to teach, but that I've been given this opportunity through having this platform to learn from other people in real time in a public forum. I tell people all the time, the only people on the show are the people that I'm interested in talking to. The only questions that I ask are the questions that I'm curious in. It's an entirely selfish endeavor that just happens to be seated in a public forum. Well, that's also what keeps the content interesting, right? It's going to be hard for you to have an honest, interesting conversation with somebody you're not interested in just because somebody requested it in the comments. For sure. And I'm looking for something very specific. I have an agenda, and that agenda ultimately is to figure out how to open up my next restaurant and make sure it's a guaranteed banger, like out the gate, that I've done all of the legwork to make sure I haven't spent too much money, that it's cost efficient, that it's in the right neighborhood, that there's product market fit, that the marketing machine starts 90 days before and blows past. And one of the things that you and I have worked on since we got together is creating all of the different media outlets needed to provide that information. I do want to roll backwards, though. So it's March of 2020. Talk to me about what was happening with you and your focus at work relative to Yelp's initiatives as I was coming onto the scene. Yeah, like around that time, some of the thing happened within Yelp for Restaurants organization because obviously restaurants were closing down our reservation and marketing products weren't as needed as much by restaurants at the time so we've shifted into creating content we knew that we still needed to communicate with our restaurant customers and providing helpful useful actionable content solution-based content that would help our restaurant customers was important but at the time we didn't have a lot of great channels to do that we had email communications and app-based things like push notifications, but we didn't have a podcast. We didn't have video necessarily. We didn't have social media channels that we could communicate with our customers with. And we knew we needed to create content to feed those channels. So when I got, I think our first conversation, I don't think a podcast was exactly what you had in mind. I think you just knew you wanted to create content for the restaurant industry. And from my perspective, it was similar. I knew I needed to create a content, but I didn't know what medium that would take place. And we just started shooting ideas around And I could tell right away, like we're both from the industry. We both have a deep roots and a deep love for the industry. And the way that I heard you talk in our first couple hour long conversations, the way I heard you talk about the industry was from an honest perspective. It was no bullshit. And I was like, this is something that I think, you know, is a shared value with the content that I'm trying to create from Yelp's perspective and just creating, like I said, honest content for restaurants when it was needed at the time for restaurants that were facing challenges through the pandemic. And the fact that we were able to construct these honest conversations, I think, was huge. The fact that there was authenticity because we weren't scripted and we were given the carte blanche by the powers that be that Yelp to say what we wanted. It was certainly a non-traditional partnership in the way that it was more than a sponsorship. I mean, it was a collaborative effort on my part and yours. And I'm sure that a bunch of people listening have wondered what the dynamics are between me as an independent restaurateur, this show and Yelp is. But it's so important for me that people know that it's not like this was a major corporation that was just blindly throwing money at it, that there were restaurant people involved behind the scenes helping me create content for restaurants. Yeah, I got no directive from any of the leadership in Yelp to direct the content in any way. It was just like, let's create content. And then I 
basically had free reign to work with you to create what that content looked like. There was no directives or narratives pushed on the content. And we got lucky. I think we were having the right conversation at the right time. And I think that that's what led to the massive growth in listenership, especially in those early days, probably because everybody was unemployed. So everybody was just sitting around trying to figure out what was going to happen next. But you and I always had a really clear vision for where the show was going. We had always envisioned like a media universe. Yeah, I think the perspective I took was going back to what I said about restaurant owners not talking to each other, not really having open lines of communication amongst their peers. That's the one thing that I took into creating this content. I was like, how do we solve for that problem? Because it was a big problem in my life in that part of my career. So that's kind of the perspective I took on that. And then as you start to create this content, obviously there's different promotional channels that come up, whether you're using social media or YouTube or whatever it is, podcasting, streaming platforms. As you start to build out the content, different things start to pop up, right? You can start to create different types of content. So we always kind of had an idea of let's build full comp. Let's use that as a framework to start building out these other programs down the road. And that's what's happened. What I found super cool about the show, and it's always been one of the most inspiring aspects of the job, is whenever I talk about the terrible things that have happened in my life, it always inspires like the person on the other end to do the same. And I think that there's this universal catharsis in that. Yeah, I think that's a, just a general rule of life, too. I think it's like, if you let your walls down, let your guard down, which I'm terrible at, but <laughs> people are just going to communicate with you better, I think. I don't know, trying to gas you up here, but I mean, you do a great job of that. Your personality and the way that you communicate with guests is super friendly. Like, I, obviously, I know you now, but I've never felt like I had to kind of work out the conversation. It was just, you're easy to talk to. So <laughs> that helps too. Flattery will get you everywhere with me. Let's unpack and let's go a bit further out and talk about creating more content. So full comp, the idea was, I'll say, quote unquote, long form content interviews. When we started, these interviews were like 50 minutes long. Now they're like 30, 35 minutes long, trying to pack as much value into the smallest period of time possible. But we also saw other blind spots. And those blind spots were the independent restaurateurs across the country that have lower profiles, but still tons to teach. So we came out with the playbook that any restaurant or owner or operator can sign up to be interviewed for the playbook. And then we've created this massive platform where people are not only getting exposure and traffic driven to their restaurant, but they also get the opportunity to share their wisdom with everyone. I've learned a ton from the platform. Yeah, the playbook, I mean, the reason I like it, and I'm speaking personally and not necessarily from the Yelp perspective, but the reason I like it is because those small business owners, those stories of small business owners are what inspire me still to this day to work in the industry. Especially, obviously, the last, whatever it's been, 15, 16 months have been super challenging for a lot of these businesses. And through those stories, you're seeing tons of creativity, tons of innovation, tons of challenges as well. People that are just up against all kinds of different challenges. But what keeps me inspired is reading those stories and seeing them kind of prevail those, through those challenges. What about restaurant marketing school? How do you feel about that? It's cool, man. Look, marketing right now, I think, is one of the most important things that restaurants can focus on. The industry is obviously changing, whether it's building a digital profile or setting up your takeout and delivery, whatever it is, people digest content a different way now than they did a decade ago. And restaurants are kind of moving more towards that digital profile aspect of things. And 
for a lot of restaurant owners, they might not know how to navigate that. So I think these short five to 10 minute clips of different pieces of marketing information that you can share with them, I think it's great. Man, I still don't know how to effectively market. That's why I'm so quiet on the show. But it's all done in a really palatable way. It's like, you can't tell me 10 different things I can do, and maybe all 10 don't apply to me. But we've tried to set up the show in a way that people can cherry pick the content that they want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no linear path to the content. You can jump around. It's a choose your own adventure for sure. So what's next is unpacking and building out the content into new ways for people to engage with it, which I think is super exciting. And it's where our focus is going to be for the next several months. It's what other things can full comp be? How else can we present and unpack these lessons that we've learned from all of these amazing people in a way that the audience can engage with it? Yeah, I think we're very much still trying to brainstorm and define what that looks like. So I don't want to overpromise here on anything, but what I'd love to see, especially as the world starts to open up a bit more and restrictions start to loosen, I'd love to see more video. I think that's how I take on most of my content. I watch most of my podcasts opposed to listening to them. I'm a visual guy, I guess, but I think that'd be super interesting. I would love to see that, especially now with all the amazing guests we have coming on and a lot of them with such great information for restaurant and restaurant owners. I think video would be great. And then that video, we just cut up and put through all kinds of different channels. So that for sure. Events, I would love to see in-person events, not only just because I miss bars and restaurants and clubs and going out and being around people, but I think it'd just be a great way to have a bunch of restaurant owners in a room because with the listening to the podcast, they can't really speak to each other. They can't network together. So if we can somehow do it in you know hyper-localized fashion where we can do live podcast and get people in a room together, share ideas and just keep that ethos of like open communication going then. That's what it's all about for me as well. It's all about community. It's all about creating this engaging atmosphere, whether it's in person, digital through a variety of mediums where people can talk and where people can share not only great ideas, because I think those are super valuable, but also like mistakes made and the lessons learned from those mistakes, because there's a ton to learn from that stuff as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, that's what the core of hospitality is, is getting in the room together and sharing stories. It just happens to be that restaurants are bad at that part of it. Mm-hmm. We've done a pretty good job, I would say, of doing it with this podcast. But if we can carry that over into more mediums, whether it's video or in person, sign me up. 15 months ago, we came up with a closing question for the show. It was, this is an industry podcast. Do you have any words of advice or encouragement that you'd like to share with the other folks in the industry? And we now find ourselves in this amazing moment where you have to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd just say you have to be willing to adapt your ideas, whether you call it an idea or a plan or a dream. Whatever got you started in this business, it can't be precious. Restaurants are an evolving industry, maybe now more than ever. And you got to be willing to adapt to succeed. That's the story of us. To see all of the projects we're working on, check out the links in the show notes. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.